Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thank you for joining us as we begin our series on Tension, the Struggle is Real. Today we're starting a new series that we've titled Tension, uh, How to Struggle Well. That's what I'm going to talk about today. And all of us walk in here today with certain amounts of tension and adversity, temptation, trial, turmoil going on in our life. And honestly, guys, gals, listen to me. The message that I'm sharing today is a one-size-fits-all. It doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80. It doesn't matter where you're at. You've had your share of adversity and tension, and this is going to speak to you today. One of the guys in Scripture, when you talk about adversity and tension and suffering that people kind of drift toward quickly is Job. And Job faced a lot of adversity in his day. Uh, Job was very acquainted with pain and with suffering. And Job made this observation. He said, a man uh, born of woman, his days are few and they're full of trouble. And I started thinking about that, that all of us, our days are few and they're full of trouble. You go, well, thanks for the optimism, Cash, right out of the gate. Well, it's true. You're not going to live that long. And while you're here, you're going to be beat up with a lot of different things in life. And so each of us come in here today with a certain amount of pain and suffering and adversity going on in our journey. You'll hear me make the statement that the universal language is suffering and pain. The universal language is suffering and pain. The pharmaceutical remedy is sedate, medicate, don't deal with it. But God invites us to face our junk and face our pain and to move toward health and to move toward healing. Uh, Coretta Scott King, the wife of MLK Jr., she made this observation. She said, my story is a freedom song of struggle. It's about finding one's purpose. It's about overcoming fear. It's about how to stand up for causes bigger than self. I was reading that and I thought, man, what a great statement that my story is a freedom song of struggle. Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite Bible teachers, when I first came to faith in Christ, I would listen to Swindoll all the time on the radio. I've read tons of Swindoll's books. Swindoll said this, while I was raised around churches and even knew a few preachers, the thought never entered my head that I would one day stand and deliver the word. Not only was I not interested, I live with a major struggle. I stuttered. What was your struggle? All of us come in here today again, we're limping. We all struggle. Some, we struggle with anxiety. Others, we struggle with anger issues. Others, it's just attitude issues. Some, it's battling addictions. Some walk in here today, marriage is hanging on by a thread. Some, you're battling through the rebellious child in your life or maybe children in your life. For some of us, we come in here today battling help. Others, we've lost our jobs. And then there's all these unknowns that are thrown before us every day. What are you struggling with? And I promise you, Drew, all of us come in here today battling something. We're battling. The word struggle it means to strive in pain. I'm struggling. I'm striving in pain. It means to be in agony. 
It means to experience difficulty or distress. Hey, you're struggling? Yeah, 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 I'm struggling. I'm, I'm striving, but I'm in pain. I've got some agony. We, we all struggle, but very few of us know how to struggle well. We, we just don't know how to do it. So the last three weeks for us has been like, wow, what is going on? I mean, a lot of, just a lot of unknowns and a lot of adversity. The last three or four weeks, Barb and them, they head to Minnesota, and all of a sudden, Hannah, our 16-year-old, is diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, and we're working through that. And so this past Tuesday, Barb takes Caleb. Where, where, where's Caleb today? Where you at, Caleb? There you are. You got your head on backwards. I didn't see you. So... So uh, Barb takes Caleb in, and uh, he's diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. It's genetic. It's like, all right, he's going to have some battles. And it's like, man, I I don't know about you, but sometimes my first response is not, well, praise the Lord. It's like, man, that sucks. That's bad for him. So so Jesse and Barb, she sends out a text to Rachel and and Benji and Jesse and and says, hey, here's what's up. Just listen to me. So, so Jesse, he calls and he's like, man, that bums me out and it, it breaks my heart that Caleb's going to have to battle through this. The week before Barb and Hannah left to go to Minnesota to Rochester to the Mayo's clinic, Jesse was laying on Barb that night cry, crying one of those nights, just struggling through. Why Hannah? Hannah's better than the rest of us. She's a clean cut girl. I mean, Rachel, she was out there in the world and Benji did his thing and I'm jacked up. Why is it Hannah that's got to suffer this way? I mean, he was struggling through it, right? He gets the word the other day, Caleb. Caleb's got cystic fibrosis and he's going to have to battle through it. So, so Jesse gets home and he looks at Caleb and he says, uh, Caleb, honestly, I don't know how y'all talk in your house. And it, it really doesn't matter. This is the way we do it over at the cash crib. But he looks at him and he goes, if you need to get mad and pissed off and really ticked and struggle through this right now, if you, you need to show emotion, dude. We understand. That's what, what Jesse said to him. And Caleb just kind of pauses and looks at him and responds back and says, I don't enjoy being mad. And it hit me. Listen to me. We we all struggle, but I think inside his heart and mind, it's like, getting mad? How is that going to help anything? And I I was sharing that story with a, a close, close friend of mine this week. And he goes, can I hire... Caleb is a therapist (laughs) because I've gotten mad and I stay mad at times and it's so unproductive and it's absolutely killing me. And I looked and I said, that's right. I mean, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The only way you can get this cystic fibrosis is both parents have to be carriers potentially and contribute to this genetic mutation. Well, I'm jacked up with you, dog. Your mama's jacked up, but we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, all of us are jacked up. I don't know what your battle is, but you're, you're jacked up. You were born into a fallen world with sin at the core of who you were. You don't have to stand in line to become a sinner. What's your struggle? 
Genesis chapter 27 and Genesis chapter 32. You can go back and read them later on your own. But I, I want you to hear this. Genesis 27. There's a guy by the name of Jacob. Jacob's name means deceiver. Beautiful name. Jacob's on the soundboard today. Good to have you here, Jacob. Don't turn me off. Don't, 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 don't mute me. I'm going somewhere with this statement. Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, grabbing for what don't belong to you. Read his name. Study him. He's the son of a guy by the name of Isaac. Isaac has a couple of twin boys that are born, Jacob and Esau. Well, Isaac is going blind, and Isaac is close to the point of, of, of death. And, and part of the father's responsibility or assignment was to bless his oldest son and pass on the blessing. I'm going to bless you with the father's blessing, the anointing, if you will. He's not the oldest. Esau's the oldest. Esau was born before Jacob. And, and, and mom hears about it, and mom is more for Jacob than she is Esau. Jacob was a mama's boy. So she goes, hey, 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 your dad's blind. He's about to pass on the blessing, but we're going to dress you up, and you're going to smell like, and you're going to feel like, and, and try to change your tone a bit because we need you to sound like your brother. So he comes before Isaac, and, and, and the dad goes, what's your name? He goes, um, my name's Esau. It's not his name. His name's Jacob. What, what, what's your name? My, na my, my name's Esau. He lies, and the dad's like, well, you smell like you feel like her. And the dad blesses him. And then Esau comes in because Esau had been out in the field, and he kills this wild game, and he's going to bring this dish before his dad. And his dad goes, son, I, I blessed your brother. Your brother lied to me and deceived me, and he's got the blessing. So years go by, and J Jacob and Esau don't even have any relationship with each other. They don't have any contact with each other. And, and, and now Jacob, the deceiver, is going to see his brother Esau. And, and he's like, man, my brother's going to hand me my lunch, and he's going to wear me out, and he, he's going to beat me. I know, I know, this is going to be really bad. Read it in Genesis 32. And so Jacob finds himself with the angel of the Lord, and he's wanting God to bless him, and he's wanting God to put his hand on him. God, I want you to bless me. And the Lord said, what's your, what's your name? The last time he was asked his name, he lied about it. What is your name? My name's Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I grab for what don't, it don't even belong to me, and I'm grabbing for it. And the Lord looks at him and says this. I'm going to knock your hip out, and you're going to walk with a limp. You're going to struggle. And then I'm going to change your name. Okay. I'm going to change your name from Jacob, liar, cheater. I'm going to change your name to Israel. That's where Israel comes from. I'm going to change your name to Israel, and the name Israel literally means you're going to wrestle and struggle with God, but you will succeed. The nation of Israel, you look at the nation of Israel today. They wrestle and struggle with God. God goes, you're going to succeed. I made a covenant with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. So, so you've got to stop and ask the question, what, what's your name? 
I'm not saying what's your name, name, but what's your name? My, my name's Timothy Earl Cash. No, when I was really struggling through leaving the world and leaving sin and desiring God, what, what's your name? Womanizer, guzzler, heavy drinker, party animal, self-centered, narcissist. I, I want you to bless me and I want you to pour your spirit out. What, what's your name? Addict, alcoholic, porn freak, manipulator. Then you, you've got to understand, we want to help you struggle well, but you're not going to struggle well if you don't own it. What's your name? I mean, some of you walk in here this morning, you go, man, I got struggles. Even when it comes to church stuff, people walk in here and, and they're struggling. I, I've had people even in the last year say, you know, I, I really struggle believing that the Bible is true. That, that's okay. Thanks for sharing that. Tim, Tim I, I tell you what I struggle with. I struggle with really believing that God has forgiven me completely. I mean, all of my jacked up stuff, and I, I, I want to believe it, but I, I struggle with that. I, I hear you. Tim, I, I really struggle. I mean, I'm here today, but I struggle with the problem of pain and suffering. And you talk about your, your kids being diagnosed, and it, it just don't make any sense to me that suffering would happen or death would happen to a kid. Tim, I came in here today, honestly, I'm struggling with this. I've been praying in this specific area to have a breakthrough, and God seems distant and silent and shy. One of the things we hear, Dustin and I will hear this often, Steve, Nick, people will say, here's, here's my struggle. I walked an aisle as a young kid. I, I prayed this prayer, got in a tank of water, but I doubt my salvation. I doubt whether I was even sincere back then. Dustin, this room has got quite a few people like that. Man, man I'm struggling. And see, every person, again, we face challenges. We face tension that's common to all humanity being born again and being a follower of christ does not immune us from unemployment or cancer you, the name it and claim it gospel that's being preached falls apart in so many places it doesn't make the trip because jesus said in this world you're going to have trouble So you're telling me that if I truly repent of my sin and press into Christ only and <clears throat> turn my back on the things of the world, that I'm not immune from unemployment and pain, cancer, that, that can knock on my door? Yeah. Jesus said, do you not realize that it's going to rain and it's going to rain on those who are walking right and those who are not walking right? And and. Your foundation is going to determine how you're able to respond to the storm. That's what he says. It rains on the just and the unjust. It's going to rain. But what you're building your life on determines whether you're able to weather the storm or not. 
Some of you walk in here today and you're like, man, I'm the only one struggling with, and, and you've got that sin or that <clears throat> area of temptation. You're like, I'm the only one struggling with that. And the enemy would love to convince you that that's true because he can keep you living in shame and defeat. But I can tell you this, whatever your area of struggle is, you're not the only one struggling with it. And, and what I had to conclude was this, living the Christian life is hard and it's difficult. And if somebody told you living the Christian life was easy, they lied to you. I would go out on the limb and say this. Not only is it hard, and not only is it difficult, but living the Christian life is impossible. If you don't have Christ in you and the Holy Spirit calling the shots. There, there's so many people that go to church that try to live the Christian life in their flesh and in their own strength, and it doesn't work. Is it hard? It's hard. Is it difficult? It's difficult. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's coaching him up, man. You're going to pastor in Ephesus, and you're going to deal with all this. And he goes, Timothy, I, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. T Timothy, I want you to fight. But I want it to be the good fight of faith over here. You're going to have to stand. You're going to have to persevere. The literal translation in the Greek means this. I want you to agonize in the good agony well. That, that's what it literally translates. I want you to agonize. I want you to fight in this good agony of living for the king. I want you to persevere. I want you to stay with it. Don't quit. Don't throw the towel in. Stay with, stay with it. You're going to get knocked down. Get up and get up again and again and, and get up again. You see, fight is not a passive word. Y'all didn't hear me. Fight is not a passive word. That, that's the reason, Kenneth, God... In writing through Paul to Timothy would say, I want you to discipline and exercise yourself for the purpose of being godly. I want you to gymnaza. We get the English word gymnasium. I want you to fight. I want you to sweat. I want you to, to swing. I want you to spar. I want you to fight. Well, I'm a Christian. You, no, you're soft. You act like Mr. Rogers. God was raising up guys in Peter, James, John, Paul that would be more like William Wallace, more like John Wayne, more like Rocky Balboa. Go, go fight. Run. Sweat. Cry. Persevere. I, I'm a Christian. I, I don't cuss and I don't go to bars and I hand out bulletins on Sunday. Really? I don't want anything to do with that faith journey. You're soft and you're not engaged in fighting the good fight. And that was the introduction I had with certain guys. We, we don't drink and we don't cuss and we don't go to bars. But what do you do? 
Well, I go to church and I hang out with church people and I sing page 178 out of the hymnal every week. I promise you, that is not what Jesus died for. There's no way that 11 out of the 12 would have become martyrs. There's no way Peter would have been crucified upside down for handing out bulletins and not going to bars. No, Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the only way. And when you study the narrative, why did y'all die? Because you didn't cuss? No, because we were fighting the good fight and we were agonizing in the good agony well. We were taking a stand for the gospel and preaching that there was a resurrection and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and many of the Essenes didn't like it, but we had to battle. And we were taking the gospel to the streets. We just didn't hang out in our little church culture. And I'm telling you right now, You mad at that? No. I just want us to understand. Life is a struggle. There's tension. Go into that locker room and take the gospel. Sit on the back of the plane and share the gospel with those people. Fight the good fight. Don't cave into temptation. You can be in the world, but you don't have to be of it. But you've got to infiltrate this world. So I wrote this thing years a few years back as I pondered just this whole thing of tension. And I, I want you to ponder this with me. Because I think this is where a lot of people kind of slide in here today struggling. But they're not struggling necessarily well, but you're trying to figure it out. Steve, I wrote this a couple of years ago. I, I want you to hear it. Confused again. What should I do? Am I still the same or have I been made new? Should I satisfy my cravings? Or should I try and flee? The tension is real. I think I'm losing again. Is this really normal for all other men? I'll act really good. I'll behave really well. I'll appear to be godly. Others can't tell. They're playing the game. Wearing the same mask, being real, it's too difficult. It's an impossible task. Is anybody winning in this inner tug of war? What is the secret? Should I ever long for more? Hope has arrived. Jesus is his name. He struggled well and won at this game. Trust his love, embrace his grace. His power is sufficient for running this race. Can't do it. You can't. I've got to have a power stronger than mine. You do. Now, here, here, listen to me. 33 plus years of walking with Christ. Christian life is difficult. Yes. But. I would rather walk with Jesus than not. The other way is a lot more difficult. You believe it? Yes. So it's harder not being a Christian than it is being a Christ follower. Now, as a Christ follower, I, I want you to ponder this. As a Christ follower, God has given us certain gifts and promises. 
What do you have? I've got, first thing I've got is I've got the peace of Jesus. He gives me his peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that's with me in the middle of the storm, a peace that's with me when I'm in the deepest valleys and pits. I'm giving you my peace, a peace that gives me perspective that this world is not all that there is, a peace that I'm going to spend eternity with him, a peace, a calmness, a tranquility, even in the midst of adversity and tension. What do you got? I, I got the peace of Jesus. And I, Ray, I was thinking about this. Do you remember when you were void of that peace? Remember when your life was spiraling out of control? Remember when you were living in sin or you were hiding or you were covering up or you were trying to stay in control? Remember when you would lay your head down on the pillow at night and you were somewhat hopeless with no direction? Do you remember? I was thinking about that this week. Do you remember? Yes. I, I, I remember. Praise God for peace. Tim, what could be worse than your kids having to battle CF? Or what could be worse than your kids having to battle blindness? Ella, what could be worse than your kid having to battle diabetes? What could be oh, The worst thing that can happen is to die and spend eternity in hell. The greatest thing that will ever happen is to receive Christ and live with peace right now and know where you're spending eternity. So conclusion is, Caleb, the worst thing that can ever happen to you will not happen. The best thing that can happen will happen. I would rather go through life struggling with peace. I remember what it was like breaking out in hives and wallowing in sin. What, what, what else you got? I, I got the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit now living inside of me. I've got the comforter. I've got the parakletos. I've, I've got the power of God living inside of me so that when I'm going through tough times and storms and trials, I've got the Holy Spirit. The, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of me to say no to temptation you got that? What else you got, Cash? Well, 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 you do too. You've got prayer. Remember when you didn't have prayer? Remember when you couldn't call out to God in the middle of the night? Remember when you were trying to do it on your own? You were trusting your own resources? You, you remember? I got peace. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I got prayer. I can talk to the Lord. Call on me and I'll show you great mighty things that you don't know. I lift up my eyes to the hills. That's where my strength comes from. What else you got? We got each other. We've got the body of believers. You, you see, Galatians 6 says, uh, carry each other's burdens and help fulfill the law of Christ. You, you see, we live in a community where other people have gone through pain and sorrow and suffering and sickness and we've walked with them, now they're walking with us and we fed them and now they're feeding us and we got a community. 
And the crazy thing, Barbara and I, we were talking about, like even yesterday, we, we were praying through this back in like February, Nick and I, and Dustin, it's like, all right, here's where we're going to go. Right after Easter, I want to start a new series called Tension, and I want to deal with this whole thing of, of, of confronting the tension and adversity in our life. You, you mean you started working on this series before the diagnosis came to? You, you mean you were preparing a, a five-week series to help your people with adversity and tension, and you are the recipient, and you're speaking out of the overflow of what you're going through? You're not like a travel agent trying to sell them a package to a place that you've never been. You're living there with them. So we say get involved in a small group. Do life with others. If you're grieving, we've got people that will grieve with you, hurt with you, struggle with you. Well, whatever you're going through. Here's the reality. Here's the reality, Megan. The only people in this room right now who are not struggling, battling sin are the ones who have apathetically given in to sin who are living in sin. I've had people say, well, I'm not struggling with sin. It's because you're living in it. But Tim, you've been walking with Jesus for 33 years, and you're a pastor, and you study the Word, and the enemy's coming at me as much as he's coming at you. I'm not immune. You didn't get the shot, didn't get it didn't offer. It doesn't exist. Paul writes the majority of the New Testament. In Romans 7, he makes this statement. The good I want to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, from this struggle? Paul, what were you struggling with? He doesn't specifically confess it, but if Paul can write in Romans 7, whoo, it's a battle. There's tension. I don't always do what I want to do and what I don't want to do sometimes I do. If he struggled, you're going to struggle. But Tim, I don't want to. It doesn't matter. Now, part of the thing is we kind of jog down this path is, okay, we're going to struggle. We're going to have adversity. Okay, but can I experience Victory, yes. Can, can I experience the abundant life in Christ even in the midst of it? Y yes, you can. You've got to, three things I wrote down. One, you've got to realize biblical truth. You've got to realize truth. You've got to stand on truth. In the midst of all of the adversity, there's going to be a lot of lies and a lot of, Man's going to have a lot of cool solutions he throws at you. you. You can only win if you realize truth and stand on truth. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken you. No temptation has come against you. But that which is common to all other men. God's faithful. And God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with every temptation, God will provide and make a way of escape. God is faithful. Can you handle it in your own power? No. 
Will you have your lunch handed to you when you trust your own strength? Yes, but God is faithful, and God will provide a way of escape, and God will give you strength. I got to recognize truth. Man, that's a truth right there. I got to stand on it. Realize all these truths and own them. Second thing is, I've got to recognize any sin in my life. Confess it, repent, and deal with it thoroughly. Can you experience victory in Christ by pacifying and hiding and covering sin? No. No. This is an area of sin. What is it? You recognize it. You call it what it is. You confess it. You you speak what God says in the confession. And then you repent and go, all right, I got to repent of it. And then the third thing is you resolve that you're not going to do it anymore with the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you do that? Yes. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever the sin issue is, whatever the tension is, I can look at it and go, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to. Why do I do what I do? Because there's a payoff in it. And one of the things, guys, I wrote as I was working through my notes, and I shared this with Alex and Hannah yesterday, I finally reached the point where intimacy with God was more desirable than the sin. Why'd you change? Why'd you resolve to let it go? Adam, listen, when intimacy with God and being right with God and holy and pure, Tara, when intimacy with God is more desirable than the sin, whatever the sin is, you will stop doing it. But when the sin is more desirable than intimacy with God, you'll continue to sin, whatever the sin is. Well, why didn't they repent? Because that sin is more desirable than being free with God. I promise you, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're at in the journey. I can promise you, if your desire is still to sin and you're enjoying that more than you do your time with the Lord, you're not going to give it up. But when you get to the place where your intimacy, Rachel, is more enjoyable of hanging out with God than it is doing anything that the world has to offer. All right, so, so check it out. Here's some perspective. Tension, adversity, trial, whatever the word you want to use. God allows tension. I've been thinking about this one as well. well what does God allow adversity and tension? One, God allows tension so that he can be glorified. John 9. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Really? That, that's y'all's conclusion? Somebody's got to wear the blame? Who sinned? Who, who messed it up? This blind person or his parents? Jesus said, stop it. It exists so that I can be glorified and the Father can be glorified. Who's more jacked up, Tim? You or Barb or maybe Hannah or Caleb that they would 
be diagnosed with a cystic fibrosis. Stop it. It's so that I can be glorified. Now, natural. Lord, I pray that you would bring about healing inside of them. I pray for restoration of their lungs. Stop. Stop. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. Suppose I want to raise them up. Suppose I want to use them nationally and globally, not only to speak about cystic fibrosis, but to take the gospel throughout the world. Suppose that's what I want to do with them. Who are you as clay to tell me, Potter, how to run my business? Is it a lack of faith? No. Time out on that. Stop. Why, why am I going through this? Lord, be glorified. Father, if it be your will, t- take this cup from me. Not my will, your will be done. Be glorified. And I'm telling you right now, Steve, if we can get to that place where it's like, be glorified. Why don't you go through tension? So that we can help others. Second Corinthians 1. God comforts us in our affliction with his comfort so that we then can help comfort others when they're going through affliction. So so you're telling me that we go through tension, adversity, and suffering and pain so that we can help others? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people that have walked through dark, difficult, times in their life, it's like, hey, I'll walk with you. Why else? God allows tension so that we will rely on him. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, I prayed three times, take this thorn out of my flesh. No, my grace is sufficient, man, to keep you from boasting. Your, I got you where I want you. Are, are we really okay with that? Are we really okay? Lord, what do you want to do? Is it a faith issue? Is it a sin issue? All right, I want to do introspection there. No, it's an assignment issue. Hey, we're about to do that third arm surgery, man, and your small G God baseball is about to be removed. But it, it, it really is for the glory of God, and you're going to end up helping other people. And you, you're going to be in a place where you're going to learn to trust me more than you are. Mm. Why do you allow tension? So that we will seek him above all. Have you noticed that you pray more in the valley than you do when everything's going your way? It's like you're waking up and you're just praying and more prayers. and I mean, praying for wisdom and praying for strength and praying for discernment. And, and I know it's like it's so tiring for Barb and It's like, man, she's praying, Lord, I need wisdom, I need strength, I need discernment. What do we do? How do we do do everything we can to boost their immune systems and get them as strong as we can? I I, I can't stop your assignment. Why else, Tim? Well, he allows tension so that he can mold us into his image. Romans 8 says, to those he foreknew, he also predestined that he would conform them to his likeness. Here's the problem. We want God to mold us. But we just don't want it to hurt.
man, I'm, I'm really wanting the Lord to mold me. I mean, right? Present yourselves as your bodies, living sacrifices on the altar. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. I, I, I want to conform you and transform you, and I want to shape you into my likeness that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, being even conformed to his likeness. And every one of us in here, if we get gut level honest, God, I want you to, to mold me to be like Jesus. But I just don't want it to hurt too bad. I, I, I want you to use me to be a fragrant aroma to my world, but I just don't want to have to hurt too bad. And, and again, the Western culture says, we've got a remedy. We can sedate. We can medicate. You don't need to hurt. And God goes, I can't use you unless I bruise you. And my son learned obedience through the things he suffered. And Jesus understands. And he identifies with us today. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. Who? Jesus. Who am I a follower of? Jesus. Not the cross, not some denomination, not... I follow Jesus. Well, what did Jesus say? He's like, come, 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 come to me. Cast all your care on me. In this world, you're going to have some pain. In this world, you're going to have some suffering. In this world, right now, Eddie, you're going to have to wear a pump, and you've got a needle stuck in you. And it's going to release meds throughout the day called insulin because your blood sugar, even as a young little girl, got all whacked out. And you're going to do it every day. And your blood sugar is going to trip out at times. And you're going to feel like you're going to pass out. And when you get the stomach flu, they're going to stick you in a hospital called CHOA. And they're going to have a hard time finding a vein. And you're going to be there for about a week because when you get the stomach flu, it's not like when me or your daddy gets it. We might be all right the next day. But this is your assignment. And God is good even in the midst of how bad that's going to suck at times. But he's really for you and he really loves you and he's never going to leave you. And he's going to walk with you. And when other people try to make you feel guilty that maybe there's sin in your life or you don't have enough faith, you can just say, hey, God's given me an assignment I'm going to glorify do we believe in healing? We believe. Do we believe that God can raise the dead? I believe it. Do I believe that he's going to raise every person that's dead? No. 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 What are you going to do? I'm not going to gripe, and I'm not going to grumble, and I'm going to really seek to walk in gratitude and grace today. That's what, that's, what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for my little, my little Hannah. I'm praying for Caleb. I'm praying for whoever. Praying for you, Ida. Praying for you. But I'm praying your faith don't fail you. And I'm praying that you get up. And I'm praying that you learn to agonize in the good agony well. And I'm praying that you will learn that Fight is not a passive term. It's a gamer term. It's a sweat term. It's a get back up term. It's after you've had your lunch handed to you, you don't throw the towel in. 
Well, that's cool, Cash. You come out of an athletic background. No, I just come out of the scripture. You got to fight it out, bro. Kenneth, you boxed there in California for a long time, man. You know, boxing, training, sweating, getting hit, and giving some hits. All right. Let's go. Let's fight the good fight. Drew, we're going to fight it together, babe. We're in it. And the rest of our life is going to be the best of our life because we're going to press in and we're not afraid of tension. And next week I'm going to break down this whole concept of wounded and broken and what living a broken life looks like and how so many people that flirt with Christ and flirt with church are just staying wounded with all their solutions and ideas and they ain't, they're not giving it up yet. We're going to move toward healing again next week. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.